الحمد لله الحمد لله خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الألم فملق التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم للشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجب الحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا الحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا الحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أصله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا ما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه الكريم بعد أن نقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ويل لكل همزة لمزة رب الشحي صدري ويصل لي أمري وأحد العكتة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين Today's khutbah is about a very, very short ayah of the Qur'an. And many of you, even the young among you, probably know the surah, وَيْلُنْ لِكُلِّ هُمَزَةٍ لُمَزَةٍ It's only going to be about that first ayah. First thing I'd like to tell you as a reminder is that in the Qur'an, Allah often speaks in multiple ayat, and they all go together to make one sentence. So like in the Fatiha, we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, those are three ayat. But actually it's one sentence. It's all connected. Right? So we pause. So in language, we're used to stopping when the sentence ends. But in the Quran, sometimes Allah will stop before the sentence ends. He'll stop the ayah. And he'll break the next part up into another ayah and another ayah. Which is why the ayat of the Quran are not like sentences. They're not even like verses of poetry or anything else. It's it's, it's unique structure. That's why you can't compare the Qur'an to any other book for many reasons and one of them is even its language is not organized the way you and I are used to seeing language in any other text. Nobody speaks and stops halfway in the middle of a sentence, you understand? But then what's the point? Why would someone speak in a way that they would stop in the middle of a sentence? For example, a famous example of that is Ar-Rahman wa'allam al-Qur'an, Surah Ar-Rahman. Allah says that he, Ar-Rahman, taught the Qur'an but Ar-Rahman is an ayah by itself. And then Allama Al-Quran is the next ayah. Even though together, grammatically, they're one sentence. It's the Muqtada and that's the Khabar. It's the subject and the predicate of the sentence. Allah Himself gave us a clue why He does that. He said, لِيَدَّبَّرُوا 
ayatihi so people so they can deeply contemplate his ayat sometimes you you and i process information in units so the way our brain works we think of a sentence like a unit of information and allah is training us that even within a sentence there's a part that needs reflection on its own like this this component you need to look at it on its own and really think about that then you look at the next component then you put it all together because quite easily allah could just say it all at once and you think of it as one unit you understand so he's breaking things up and this is something that you know those, those of you that are in school in university or even in elementary school or younger a good teacher that's what they do they break things up it's a really hard topic it's a really big chapter and they break it up into really small digestible parts and until you understand this little small sub lesson they're not going to move on to the next one and then the next one and then the next one and then you get to put it all together because if you look at it all together at once you may not individually give value to each part and you might miss something and so that's what Allah is doing in this ayah that I wanted to start with today the ayah that I wanted to choose as khutbah today is wailun bi kulli humazatin lumaza even though Actually, the, the sentence continues. We're going to stop here. Because it deserves attention on its own. Allah decided that by making that the stop of the ayah. So let's talk about that a little bit. The, first, the second thing I want you to know is the context. This is a surah that was given to the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca. In Mecca. And the, the primary audience, the main audience of the Prophet ﷺ, who are the people that this is talking to are people that don't believe in him. In fact, it even includes people that absolutely hate him. The, the people that are supposed to be listening to these words, we're listening to them sitting attentively in a Jumu'ah prayer. We're reciting them for, for blessings. We're trying to extract guidance from them. That was not their case. They hated listening to these words. They hated the Messenger of Allah At best, they were scared of listening to him. So he, this, is, this is coming down at a time where the vast majority of people around the Prophet are very hostile. They don't want to hear what he has to say or what the Qur'an has to say. It's talking to them. These are some pretty tough people. And in that context, because they are famously, we call them the Mushrikun of Mecca, right? Mushrikun Mecca. Allah could just call them Al-Mushrikun. He could just call them Al-Kuffar, Al-Kafirun. That's who they are. Right? They're the deniers of the truth. So they're the mukaddibun. So, and these are all attributes for them that are used in the Quran. It's not like they're not used. But even though this is about them, what did Allah do in this surah? Those of you, you've known the surah, وَيْلٌ لِكُلِّ هُمَزَةٍ لُمَزَةٍ The Mufassirun will say, وَهَذِهِ الْآيَةِ فِي الْمُشْرِكِينَ نَزَلَتْ فِي الْمُشْرِكِينَ so this ayah came down about the mushrikeen who used to criticize the Prophet and hate on the Muslims, etc. Allah did not use the word al-mushrikeen. Even though we all know it's them. Why? Why would that be done? This is actually done, this is a kind of ibham. This is kind of making something that's very clear, ambiguous. Let me give you a simple example to help you understand this concept in language. You know, if some people in the class, in your, in your school, some people in the class cheated on the test and the teacher found out, right? The teacher could walk in and say, Abdul Karim, Ahmed, Yusuf, stand up. He could do that. And now he's calling out exactly who cheated, yes? Or the teacher could walk in and say, everyone who cheated, 
Everyone who and the, the moment he says everyone who cheated, even the people who didn't cheat are like, wait, am I part of that? They start getting nervous because the teacher didn't name them. You understand? And so what Allah has done in this ayah is He did not give you and me the comfort of thinking, oh, this is about the mushrikun of Makkah. Whew, not about us. He didn't give me that comfort. He wanted me to be on alert. And the words that this ayah begins with, is the, the word it begins with is wayyid. The word wayyid was used way before Islam. The Arabs were using it for thousands of years. And they used it to describe qubah. They used to describe something ugly, something terrible, something disgusting. In many situations, wayyid was used to describe something that's horrible. Then wayyid was also used for tahassur, meaning you really hoped something would work out and it didn't work out. Yeah, wayyid. So wayyid was used for, ah, man, it didn't work out. Hasra, tahassur. That's what it was used for. So it was as a, as a culture, part of the culture of the Arabs, this word was used for something ugly and something that's filled with regret. Something that you regret that you missed an opportunity or you could have made some a lot of money or whatever. And recently I met somebody who had a lot of wave burning inside them. This guy, I don't, and I'm not giving you a fatwa on cryptocurrency or anything, but this guy bought some cryptocurrency and wanted my opinion on it. He bought it, it wasn't going anywhere. He sold it two hours later. It went down 5,000 5, times. It went down 5,000 times. And he could have been a millionaire and now he's depressed and he needs to die. So, there's a lot of tahassur, <laughs> right? But the idea is that this, this, this meaning I want you to keep in your mind as we try to explore the ayat. Because the, the ayat of the Qur'an, they came in the language of those people. Like, language is part of a culture. And that was part of their culture. When they, when they talked about something that they deeply regret, they used the word way. When they talked about something that was terribly disgusting, they used the word way. Then it took on other meanings. It took on the meaning of cursing somebody. Like, I hope you get destroyed. And why did it mean, I hope you get destroyed? Waylullak. Why does it mean, I hope you get destroyed? It means, I hope you go through the kinds of things that are so ugly that you're filled with regret for the rest of your life. And from then beyond that, even in the religious sense, then the word wayl took on another, yet another expression. Allah used it as one of the names of Jahannam. This same word. It wasn't originally being used for hell. But then Allah coined a new meaning for the word wayyid in the meaning of hellfire. Why? Because the one, may Allah protect every one of us from the hellfire, the, the, the one in hellfire has never seen more ugliness and has never felt more regret. So one of the things that makes hell, hell is the ugliness and the other dimension of it that's being highlighted in the word wayyid is it's the terrible regret that's constant forever. And so that's the word with which this surah, this ayah, this sentence, or this part of the sentence begins. That's how it begins. That's the, mind, that's the word that's coming in everybody's mind. They haven't even heard the rest of the sentence yet. The rest of what Allah has to say. But whatever it is can't be good. And whatever it is is going to fill somebody with a lot of regret. And whatever it is is extremely ugly. It's extremely ugly. These are the, the, the thoughts, the sentiments that have filled the mind of a careful listener when they hear the word wayun, and then there's another dimension to that. In the Arabic language, typically when you start a sentence, you start it mu'arraf billah. So you say al-wayilu You expect for those of you that understand some things about the Arabic language, the muqtada, 
the common, the, the, the expectation for the muqtada, the opening of a sentence, is that it should be definite, it should have the lama ta'rif on it. So the expectation here is actually ta'rif. And in the science of balagha, in the science of analyzing the, the effect of language, especially in the Qur'an, when you expect something to be with a the, the al is the the, and you take it off, even though it was expected, then something special is happening, something unusual is happening. Now what's the effect of that on those people? When they used to hear something like that, they used to hear that this is a kind of regret, this is a kind of ugliness that we are not that familiar with and it's huge. So the tanmeen, a tanmeen yufidul azama, so it, it gives the meaning of something huge. This is not some small regret, this is massive regret. This is a huge problem that's being described. How did it become so huge? Because the al was taken away. Because Allah didn't say al-waylu. He said waylun likulli. So that the waylun alone makes it, this, this is ta'zim in it. And the other side of it is, it's unknown. I don't know what this destruction is. I don't know the extent of it. I know there's a problem, I don't even know how big that problem is. So there's this unimaginable crisis that's been introduced to the listener just inside the word way. And then on fi the final bit, this is the scariest part to me. They talk uh, in, in, in linguistics, in Arabic, we, we talk about the difference between the khabar wal insha. I won't give you an Arabic lesson, it's a khutbah, but I'll make it something very basic to you. When I speak, sometimes the purpose of my speech is to tell you something, deliver information. So my communication is information. It's informative, like the weather is cloudy, is information, right? The sun is shining, is information, right? But let me give you a silly scenario. I'm walking with a friend of mine, and I, I actually don't really like my friend. He's kind of like my frenemy a little bit. So he falls on the ground, and I say, ah, the sun is shining. I'm no longer giving information. I'm actually using the sun is shining to say, that made me happy. You falling on your face like that? Made my day. The sun is shining. So that sometimes when you say something, it's not to communicate information, it's to communicate your emotions. Emotions are not the same as information. This sentence can be looked at as khabar, and it can be looked at as insha. It can be looked at as both. It could be that Allah is telling us that this terrible, regret-filled destruction is meant for some kinds of people, he's about to tell us that, or Allah is actually telling us that may this kind of destruction fall on these people. It is Allah expressing His desire, His want, Allah's, His intent, that this should be for these people. Like He wants this to happen to them. Like Allah wants this for them. That, that's the scary part, you see? It's not just Allah telling us, but Allah informing us of His intent, His desire to see this for them. Who are these people? Now it must be some small group of people that get the worst terrible destruction, but this gets even worse when He says, وَيْلٌ لِكُلِّ The word kul means each and every. Each and every. Now you could have said here, وَيْلٌ لِلْهَمَّازِينَ You know, you could say that. الْلَمَّازِينَ or Al-Hamizin, Al-Lamizin. You could just say those same words, there are other ways of saying it. By saying the word Kul, what did Allah do? It's like He spread a vast canvas. 
every single one who has this quality. I'm no longer thinking this is just about the Quraysh of Makkah. That's gone. He took it away just by using the word kul. He broadened it so much. And then let's talk about who these people are that are that are getting such focus. Like the entire an entire surah. This is not an ayah of the Quran. This is the opening of a surah. An entire surah of the Quran dedicated to this bunch of people and how Allah is so upset with them. Allah is so angry with them. This must be some really serious problem. And you and I think, well in Makkah, the big problem was they worshipped idols. They worshipped false gods. They didn't believe in the revelation, right? So there should be a surah dedicated to their shirk, to their worship of false gods, to the, to, to the criticism of the asnam. But instead in this surah, this terrible destruction is for two qualities in this ayah. Humazatin, lumazatin. So I'm going to take a few moments now and describe to you what these two qualities are. And why they, why, how they were made such a big deal. We oversimplify the early career of the Prophet and we say he came to end shirk and to establish tawheed. Yep, he certainly did. But there was a lot more he came to end. Because Tawheed is like a seed. Iman is like a seed. Asluha thabit wa The essence of La ilaha illallah is deep, but it, it's like a tree, it has many branches. And all of them are funded, all of them are critical. And so what happens in these ayat? So the word humaza, let me define it for you. In the root essence of the word is an an يُعِيبَ أَحَدٌ أَحَدًا أو أن يعيب أَحَدٌ أَحَدًا بالإشارة بالعين أو بالشدق. It's when someone criticizes somebody with words or when somebody criticizes somebody else with their eyes or with their face, their cheeks, their jaw or with their head, with their body language. Basically, any form you can think of of making someone else feel worthless. Some, someone else feel inferior. Let me put it in kid language, when you make someone feel stupid. What you call, when you put someone in their place. When you, you know, when you burn somebody. When you wreck somebody. When you troll somebody. You know, when you destroy somebody. When you own somebody, that's what you call it too, right? When he got owned. And then how do you do that? You can do that with words. You can do that with with eyes. You can bulge them. You can roll them. You can make someone feel they're so unwant unwanted as soon as they come, come near you like <sighs> That's a kind of homaza. You made somebody feel unwanted. You can make somebody feel like they're every time they open their mouth they're so stupid I can't believe their words coming out of their mouth like Seriously? Wow. You didn't do anything. This is just your face doing drama. That's all it's doing. And that's being captured in this ayah as humaza. Why? Because one of the one of the great, great sins in our religion, the sin that is attributed back to the devil himself, is given arrogance. And what is arrogance? Arrogance isn't just about you feeling better or greater. It's also about you making someone else feel lesser. That's another way of feeling bigger about yourself, right? You don't get any bigger, but you make somebody else feel smaller. That's how you do it, easy. Then you don't have to accomplish anything. 
You can just poke at somebody else. This is wailun likulli humaza. Someone who criticizes others, speaks about. And by the way, humaza also includes people who talk behind other people's back. It includes it. So backbiting and that kind of thing is included in it. People who love talking about others. You're sitting and having lunch after Jumu'ah, you worshipped Allah, sitting and somebody mentions Zainab's name and you're like, Zainab, oh, don't get me started. The moment you say, don't get me started, you already got started. Nobody had to get you started, you're the one who started it. And your way of saying, don't get me started, is you're really hoping somebody starts. <laughs> so you don't have to take the blame. Or even if you just did a, a Fatima, <sighs> yeah, you know, astaghfirullah. That's not a, that istighfar needs istighfar. Okay? That's not an istighfar. When you do that, when you love, when you get in the habit of talking about others in critical ways, in front of them, behind them, when you start doing that, then this is actually humaza. And it's not a one-time thing, this is important now. It's not like if you did that one time, now the worst part of hell is for you, or you're going to live a life of regret. That's not what's being said. Humaza, this fu, it's called fu'ala, this is a pattern. Humaza, lumaza. And from it, you get duhaka, for example. Khuta'a. There are different words in Arabic that come on this pattern. And what this pattern illustrates is tadullu ala kathrat sudur kathrat sudur al-fi'l. Whatever act it is, happens a lot. So someone who laughs all the time, they're just always laughing, even if it's something serious. Hey man, I got in a car accident. Ah, that's what they do? That's a duhaka. They laugh all the time. Right? They can't help themselves. So when Allah says humaza, it's a person who criticizes and criticizes and criticizes so much, they're in the habit of doing it. That's all they're doing all the time. They don't even realize they're doing it. That just becomes their second nature. Being condescending, being insulting, being critical of others, <coughs> putting others down, using offensive body language, facial expressions, you know, making someone feel little, just becomes like inhaling and exhaling for them. They do it so much, it's a, it becomes a part of their nature, and that's actually the kind of extreme that's being criticized here. That a person can reach that point. It doesn't happen immediately, but it can get to that point. And you know what, a lot of times what happens is, you see other people doing it, and you're like, man, I don't want to be made fun of, so the best defense is offense. So let me start using bad words too. Let me start being that way too, so nobody will make fun of me. They'll be scared to make fun of me, because I'm too busy making fun of them. I'm too busy offending everybody else. So they'll back off of me, right? And this is a humaza. And then that humaza goes to an extreme. And what's that extreme? It's the next phase, lumaza. And alam is the same extreme form, someone who makes it into a life habit, is actually someone who, who criticizes you to your face. Al-Muwajaha bil-ayy. Hey, by the way, has anyone ever told you you're like really fat? Has anyone told you like you smell a lot? <laughs> you know? I don't want to say, I mean, I'm not being mean or anything, bro, but do you realize like you're really stupid? What you, I'm not saying, and then you feel like you've accomplished something really really great because, hey, I'm not talking behind your back, I'm telling to your face because I love you, bro. No, that's not love. Making someone, insulting someone, doing all those same things that I was talking about, but doing it to their face and somehow thinking it's a noble thing to hurt someone's feeling to their face. And then tell yourself, pat yourself on the back and say, at least I didn't do it behind your back. At least I wasn't homaza, I'm just numaza. <laughs> all right? Don't, don't give yourself a false sense of you know, righteousness, self-righteousness, 
because you're taking what you think is a lesser of two. Allah is critiquing both. And He's actually making both of them together as an adjective. In other words, if you're one way, eventually you become the other way too. It, it, these qualities, they, they're like a weed. They're like a virus. They grow inside. So you, you keep getting worse and worse and worse. And that's actually one of the qualities of the surah. It's like a seed disease. And then it grows and then it grows. And as it grows, you can see its progression in the surah. So as if you on, on your own, inshallah, study the rest of the surah, you'll find the progression. You'll find the progression of this disease. Where does it go? What happens next? What happens next? Sometimes the disease starts in the stomach, reaches all the way to your limbs. Sometimes the disease starts you know, in one part of the body, it reaches the rest of the body. The same way, this starts in one part of your mind and affects other parts of you spiritually, emotionally. That's what happens with these diseases. So Allah says, وَيْلٌ لِكُلِّ humazatin لُمَزَةٍ to Make every one of us aware of something. Allah saw this quality in people who didn't believe in Him. People who hated His Prophet People who were ready to kill the Prophet People who used to openly worship idols. People who forgot about the legacy of Ibrahim And he was talking to them. That's where I started. He was talking to them. And he was saying this is one of their worst qualities. What does that mean? That means when they don't believe in Allah the way they should, then this quality happens. When you don't believe in Allah the way you should, then you get this quality. Now let's flip that equation before I end this khutbah. What if I have this quality, and the converse is true, and maybe I don't believe in Allah the way I should. Maybe I don't fear Allah the way I should. Maybe I'm not aware of Allah the way I should be. Because my behavior is looking a lot like the kind of behavior Allah criticized of the mushrikun. I'm not saying you're a mushrik or I'm a mushrik, but it's a pretty scary thought that Allah would broaden this, open this, make us aware of how serious it is. So we, you and I realize that our tongues and the way we treat other people, the way we talk to other people, the way we talk about other people, what we make other people feel by our expressions. Those of you, I see a lot of young kids sitting in the audience today. The way you make your mother feel when you don't respond to her, when she's talking to you at the breakfast table. Uh, Ahmed, are you listening? Ahmed, are you listening? You're listening. You're still... What? What? You're, you're, you got early training on Humaza, my friend. That's early training. Get rid of that for yourself. Doesn't matter if your mom gets upset or not. Allah is upset for her. When a, when a husband is doing that to his wife, when the wife is doing that to the husband, the, the wife can do it to the husband as, you know, silent treatment. But yeah? Maria, Maria, now, the guy can create a national anthem by the name Maria. She's not listening. She's right there. She's not listening. No, can't look at you. Nope. Sound even time. And you can do the same to her. You can do this to your siblings. You can do this among friends. Make someone feel inferior. And then if you get in once in a while, that's okay. If you're human, it happens. It happens. But if this becomes our habit, this becomes our nature, this becomes our personality trait, man, Allah, I'll take you back and I'll end with where I started. What was my beginning? Wailun. Remember? Regret. Ugliness. Allah is describing people that will have ugliness and regret in the afterlife, but it's not limited to that. Because of the tanween the, the on wail. Actually, it might even mean that people like that will live a life of regret and ugliness in this life too. For every person who does that, they're not just filling other people's lives with ugliness and regret. 
They're filling their own lives with ugliness and regret. They're never going to have, be able to have a real relationship with anybody. Nobody feels safe around them. Nobody feels like they can open up to them because they're always so critical and harsh and, you know, it's like they have spikes all around them. So they, they're never able to get close to anyone. So they feel alone and isolated. And the more isolated they become, the more aggressive they become. So they fall into this cycle and they live a life of utter regret. Because one of the great joys of life is to have genuine companionship, real relationships, being able to completely confide in somebody, to find comfort in somebody, within family, within friends. And you can destroy that just by being homaza and domaza. You can absolutely ruin it. And that will lead to wait in this life and in the next. So I pray to Allah Azza wa that you and I recognize even a small, small hint of that inside of ourselves and get rid of it from ourselves. Because I don't want that in my life and you don't want that in yours. And we don't want anyone else to feel that from us. Just like we don't want to feel that from them. So may Allah Azza wa Jal not make us from these people. And may Allah Azza wa Jal make us of those whose tongues, whose gestures are a source of rahmah, are a source of mercy and compassion and, and kindness towards others that, that our, our words and our deeds and our behaviors, they bring place people closer to Allah. They bring, bring hearts closer together instead of pushing them further apart. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن الحكيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات وذكر الحكيم الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على أفضلهم وخاتم النبيين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقن الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا مكتوبا